Well, yesterday, um, Carol and I went to Blickling Hall, which, for the locals here, you know, is a very classy, stately home in North Norfolk. And this time of year, they have a very stylish light show in their beautiful gardens. And the trees and these, these period buildings are wonderfully lit up with blues and purples. It's a fantastic sight. And all the paths around the garden have fairy lights, so you can kind of see the way between the different parts of the garden. Um, it's a really great experience if you get the chance. Um, but imagine that you're out there in, in that garden, um, and it's kind of late in the day, and you're on your own, you're one of the last people there, and suddenly all the lights go off. And you haven't got a torch with you, and you have, you've left your phone in the car, so you haven't even got a, any way of seeing the path and finding your way back. And believe me, you know, the, the night is very dark, and rural Norfolk with no lights, is very dark. And you, 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 all you're going to do is think, I'm just going to trip over things, I'm going to walk, I'll, I'll walk into the bushes on the way back. Dark when it's very dark is absolutely pitch black, and it's really quite frightening. That first reading tonight that Joanna read began with those words, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That's why that verse is such great news, because they, they're in this pitch darkness, and then suddenly there's a light so that they can see the way. On those living in the land of deep darkness, it said, a light has dawned. Now those words were spoken, as we heard, by a man called Isaiah, who was a great prophet in uh, the Old Testament, before Jesus. And they remind us, those words, that according to the Bible, the whole world is in darkness until we find the light that God's given us, which is the light of Jesus. So you think, well, okay, Richard, how is the world in darkness? That's a pretty sweeping statement, isn't it, to start your talk with? Well, firstly, there's the thing about evil. Um, The darkness of the world around us, uh, cruelty, violence, oppression, but the darkness also, really the origin of all that stuff, the darkness inside our hearts. All of us have a lot of good and light in us, but at least tinges and sometimes a great deal of darkness too, deep down. God had allowed his land to fall into darkness. Uh, Back in Isaiah's day, there there were two nations that were part of God's people. There was a north and a south. They were known as Israel and Judah. And the northern ones, I, I kind of think Norwich and Ipswich, it's that kind of rivalry... And the northern kingdom is where Galilee was. It was in our second reading. And that was the first one to fall into darkness. God allowed them to be captured by a a cruel foreign nation. And darkness came on the land, as we saw in the reading. And then not 100 years or so later, darkness fell on the southern kingdom, Judah, as well. Jerusalem was captured. And the land remained in darkness for the 500 years or so following. Right up, in fact, until the coming of Jesus, right up until our second reading from Luke's Gospel. And that pattern of darkness, um, of violence, oppression, injustice, abuse of power, poverty, all the things that make the world a dark place, that was still the case right up until the time of Jesus. And in fact, when you think about today, The world hasn't changed a lot since either, has it? 
darkness fell on the land, and darkness in many ways is still around the world and in our hearts. And the darkness is not just evil, though. Secondly, it's also about um, the lack of knowledge we have of how to put things right. It's, if you like, the darkness of ignorance, that we don't know how to fix these things. We don't know, like me in, in the gardens at Blickling in the dark, we don't know the way forward. We can't see how to get to safety and security and, in Bible language, salvation. Now, we've had our kind of theories about that. Um, for instance, we often think that as human beings, we're going to be able to one day fix all these problems and put the world right. There was an article in the Times newspaper a few years ago which said, the message of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. We will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. And I love the kind of sentiment of that statement and the optimism within it. And it's a very well-meaning um, thing to say, isn't it? That, that we will be able to build a world of unity and peace. We all would love that, wouldn't we? We all would. But uh, isn't that really just pie in the sky? Isn't that just kind of daydream optimism that we'll fix our problems one day? After all, we've had 2,000 years since Jesus. We've had centuries of technological progress, many of which, most of which has been absolutely fantastic. But are we any closer a world of unity and peace, a world free of oppression and violence and injustice and poverty and so on? And the good thing I think about Christmas is, and this is really my kind of first point, and they're all going to be quite short, don't worry. The first point is really this. Christmas is wonderfully realistic. It's not about this sort of pie-in-the-sky optimism that we can fix our problems one day. It's actually starting out by saying, do you know what? We can't fix our problems. We need some help with this. It's very realistic. It's, it's kind of saying, in the world of darkness, we don't just need a light that we've created from below. We need a light, like the reading said, from above to shine on us. Now, I have to say, some people look at the world's problems the other way, and they kind of say, you know, it's, it's all terrible, the world's in a mess, human beings are terrible, and it's just going to go on getting worse. Um, and that's kind of extreme pessimism. And I think some atheism leads you there if you're not careful. But that's not Christianity either. Christmas actually is realistic, but there is tremendous hope here. The reading did say, didn't it? A light has shone in the darkness. The land that was in darkness has seen light. And so we turn to the second reading, and this, this theme of optimism and realism about the hope of Christmas, Mary. And we actually heard about Elizabeth, didn't we? Her, her relative as well, who also experienced um, a vision of an angel and a message of hope, and a, an extraordinary birth of a child to her. Both of these, these women are holding on to that promise of light coming to a land in darkness. But of course, it's Mary, we heard, that lives in Galilee, the northern kingdom, where that's where Jesus comes. That's where light first shines on the land of darkness. It's the northern kingdom first. And then later Jerusalem, the southern. And God is starting to speak to his people again. They're longing for this saviour figure that's going to come, the light that will rescue them, the royal prince in the line of David, the wonder-working leader, the mighty God that Isaiah spoke about. And here 
he is being announced. God starts speaking. And the angel speaks to Mary, saying, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, remember who the angel is speaking to here. This is Mary. Uh, We're told very little about her. She's really very obscure. And yet God sent an angel to her. She's a young teenager, probably about 14, 15 years old. She's engaged to be married. We don't even learn her surname, her family name, her parentage. We're only told she's engaged to Joseph of the line of David. And the greeting, not surprisingly, blows her away. Mary, God's highly favored you. In other words, you've been chosen for a special task by God. And she was, you know, she was, got up that morning to do her homework. And she's got the Archangel Gabriel speaking to her. She's absolutely blown away. But here's our second point. Christmas is good news. It's good news for her, but actually for the whole world. It's realism, but it's also incredible good news. She's been favored by God. And that word favored is is the idea here that God has loved her just as she is. Uh, It's the word grace in some of the old translations. God's shown grace to her. That's undeserved love and favor from God. Not because she's particularly special. Certainly not because she's done something to earn this love. God's favored her because he's favored her. Just as he does any of us who are, I'm sure, almost all of us, equally ordinary, aren't we? Like Mary. God favors us just because he does. That's the good news of Christmas. Christmas, you see, is good news and not good advice. We do think, don't we, that, oh, there's a vicar speaking. He must be giving me moral advice to go and mend my life and become a better person. Well, if I'm doing that, then I'm not teaching you Christianity. Because Christmas is good news, not good advice. It's a God who's gifted us with hope and life in Christ, even when we didn't deserve it just as we are. So here's this good news for Mary, that she's going to conceive and give birth to a son. Here she is, just imagine, this 15-year-old, engaged to be married, she's a good Jewish girl, and the next words of the angel are, you're going to have a child. You'll conceive and give birth to a son. And he's in fact not going to be any ordinary child. The reading said he'll be great. Again, that's a big word. He's going to be great. He's going to be a significant figure in history. He's going to be called the son of God, no less. He's the king in the line of David. But unlike David and Solomon and all of their descendants, his kingdom will never end. He will go on forever as the royal prince. So the light is shining on this darkness of Galilee through just a little Jewish girl because of the one she's going to bear to the world, this extraordinary prince and saviour, a king in David's line whose kingdom will last forever and will bring the justice and the salvation and the rescue and the hope we've waited for. Now, people then, like today, knew that uh, virgin births don't just happen. They knew about conception among human beings, And so Mary, not surprisingly, is pretty astonished by this too. And she says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? I'm not married. How can I be having a child? And the answer is, says the angel, it's all about God. 
God's going to find a way to circumvent human frailty and to send a saviour who for the first time is perfect. Because he's going to be human, that's Mary where you come in, as his mother. But he's also going to be God's son. He's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit, God's living presence. He's going to be overshadowed with the power of God. That's the power that's going to be at work in him. A mighty, mighty saviour. And it's all going to be within your womb by the power of God. Christmas, you see, is good advice. It's good news, not good advice. Good news, you see, because God is saying, I realise that human beings, you may be optimistic, you think you can solve your problems, but actually, on reflection, that's never going to happen. So I have decided to send a saviour who's not going to bring into uh, normal human life the frailty, the folly, the pride, and so on that all human beings have within us, all human leadership shows at times, he's going to be perfect, a perfect saviour, because he's from me. God's son, the power of the Most High. Christmas is good news. Isn't it wonderful that far from sitting in heaven, wishing we'd fix our problems, wishing we'd sort ourselves out, like a sort of frustrated parent wishing the kids would grow up one day, God came as one of us to share our experience, to live a perfect life, and then to die on the cross to pay the price for us, to bring us back to God. God's son breaking into the darkness through an obscure young Hebrew woman to live and die for the world. And if you watch Blue Planet, but it's the kind of thing you see on Blue Planet where the, where the diver stands on the edge of the boat and then they kind of leap and they're down into the water and they, they go down deeper and deeper and deeper and it gets darker, doesn't it, as you go down and more murky until at the very bottom there's this sort of murky, death-like darkness where it seems nothing can live. Of course, David Attenborough finds something down there, being David Attenborough, but it feels like death-like darkness. And then the diver finds what, what, they've, what they've dived for and they pick it up and they rise again and they come up, up, up towards light and colour and they burst out uh, and they're kind of bursting for air by then and they've got it in their hand. They're clutching it, that precious thing they went down for. That's a good picture of what God is doing in Christ at Christmas. He's coming down into the darkness but he's also done it to bring us up that are precious to him and to bring us to light. Christmas is good news Lastly, it's also a gift. It's a gift that invites us to receive it. It's a free gift. And it comes from God through Mary in the form of his son. Before we look at how Mary responds to that, just, let's just think about gifts. Gifts at Christmas may be what you've been longing for, but sometimes, have you had this experience, they're not quite what you'd wanted a story about a little girl who, whose grandma gave her some gloves for Christmas. And with commendable honesty, she wrote back afterwards and said, Dear Grandma, thank you for the gloves you gave me. They were something I wanted, but not very much. But imagine it's Christmas Day and you're, you're around the tree with your family and your friends and Auntie Betty hands you the present from her and you unwrap it and it's a book on how to keep your room tidy. And you kind of think, she's trying to tell me something here, don't you? And some gifts are quite humbling, aren't they? Because they tell you something about yourself or how people perceive you. And the gift of Christmas 
It's supremely true, this gift. It's a wonderful gift. It's a free gift. It's good news to us. It's, it's God's love to us. But it is quite humbling to receive it. Because to receive Christ, God's gift of salvation, is to swallow my pride that says, I can fix this, I can sort myself out, I can put this right. It's to swallow that pride and say, actually, thank you, Lord, I need a saviour. And you've sent one. We need Jesus to be born and to die so that light can dawn on us, so that the gift can be received by us. And Mary, wonderfully, humbly, receives that gift. It's an extraordinary message, isn't it? Mary, you're going to give birth to a son. Uh, this is going to be a conception by the Holy Spirit of God working in power through you. He's going to save the world. And at the end of it, she humbly simply says... May your word be fulfilled. May it be to me as you have said. She's accepting, isn't she, that light and salvation are being offered to the world and that for her uniquely, they're coming through her womb. Accepting the gift of Jesus, Mary, she's taking on quite a calling. There's going to be a sacrifice for her in bearing Christ and being the mother, to Jesus as he grows up and dies on the cross, there is always sacrifice in following Jesus. But it starts with accepting the gift. Mary's faith here is, I think, remarkable, isn't it? Because she's not seen it yet. She's not even conceived a child yet, let alone watch Jesus, her son, grow up and die on the cross and rise again. She's not read the New Testament documents that we have today, the historical books about this Jesus that we have. All the privilege we have today She had none of that. She just had the words of the angel. But she believed. We're privileged today to have, besides what she had, all the historical information, all the witnesses that saw Jesus and saw his death and resurrection. The Christians, perhaps, that have invited you tonight that can point you in that direction too. Because Christmas is good news of a gift that is for any one of us. It could even be that someone here tonight... Tonight's the night you're going to receive that gift for the first time. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to do? And to go home as someone who has the light and the life of God within you too. But it's a journey. It's a search. And it may be that some of us here are thinking, well, I need to know a lot more about this. I've got to check this out. I would say to you, that's exactly the right thing to do. If you're really not sure and you have more things to think through, um, then check it out. Get, get a copy of a gospel. A friend of yours can give you one. And read the rest of Luke's gospel, asking, who is this person? Who is this Jesus, this gift that claims to come from heaven? And one thing we'd love to do tonight is to give you, at the door there, a little book called Christmas Playlist, which looks at the early chapters, these chapters of Luke's gospel. Um, It's very attractive, written, it's very readable, it's very short. So that's with our conference if you're a guest here tonight. Just come and ask me or Tara or Amy. We'll be at the door there afterwards for a copy of the Christmas playlist. You'll also find inside, we're going to be offering a group in the new year called the Discover Course, which will be just an informal group uh, where we're going to come together on a Tuesday evening and a Wednesday morning and just, it's kind of any questions, but we'll look particularly at the big questions of life. Why are we here? Who really was Jesus? How do I find God? How do I pray? All those big things. So that's tucked inside the book as well. We'd love you to come and search and find the gift of God in Jesus through this Christmas. Thank you for listening. Let me say a short prayer now.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you that this is good news, the best news the world has seen. Thank you that you love us just as we are. And we pray that for each one of us, you will speak to us, draw us to yourself. And for those of us that are really searching, give us open hearts, open minds, give us integrity, and we pray that you'll shine the light of Christ and his love and truth into our hearts too. In Jesus' name. Amen.